Hello and welcome back guys to another episode of the Realm of Unknown. Today's episode is actually starting off the theme of this month being that of monsters and sort of just cryptids lumped into the mix. This was supposed to be the episode that was uploaded last week, however I was participating in the uh, podcast Blackout in order to show some solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. Now, that being said, I will be having an additional news theme episode, the sort of bonus episodes that I post over on Patreon. I will have an extra episode this month over there for free for anyone who does want to listen. However, I just wasn't, I didn't feel as though it was proper, really, to upload last week um, when a lot of this stuff was going on. It was sort of hitting its high. But I guess without further ado, we shall start with this episode's uh, topic, being the Maryland Goatman. But first, we're going to be running a quick promo, and uh, right after that, we will get into it. There's a feeling we get when passing ghost stories around a fire, or sharing legends of fantastical beasts, both amazing and terrifying. The mere mention of the otherworldly beings that surround us are enough to make even the bravest amongst us shudder with fear. But these stories are as essential to our cultures as the languages we speak and the food we share. These fables of the unknown have become an integral part of our history and the foundation of our society today. And as frightening as these creatures might seem, we cannot help but wonder what they are and where they come from. Stories of the supernatural, whether of spirit or beast, will always find a home within our minds. For nothing haunts us more than that which we cannot explain. Hello, my name is MJ McAdams, part-time shadow person, full-time supernatural seeker. Welcome to Humble Hauntings, where the lovers of the unknown can pull up a seat and make themselves at home. I invite you to join me on a quest to explore the supernatural creatures that have bound themselves to our history and unveil the world's most heart-stopping haunts. Haunts that could be as close as your front door. Because after all, home is where the haunt is. Now, the Maryland Goatman is an urban legend that has its roots dating back to the 1970s, or so some claim. A legend that has been riddled with conspiracy and has been plaguing Bettsville, Maryland for some time. This story surrounds the sighting of a half-man, half-goat being that has been spotted across several locations throughout the entire region. Notable locations of the creature sightings uh, are a bizarre house that has been found behind the evangelical school known as St. Mark within Hatsville. Sightings have also been spotted underneath the, quote, Crybaby Bridge, which is located within the town of Dewey. 
And within recent years, uh, the College Park has also been a sort of hot spot for alleged sightings and mysterious cries in the night. We shall be discussing all these locations and breaking down how the story of the Goatman sort of enveloped into what it is today. Now, there are several versions of the story when it comes to the Goatman, with some naming it simply the Prince George County's Goatman, while some specify it down to just being the Maryland Goatman, which most people, I would argue, know it as now. Everyone seems to have their own specific variant of the event and the history of how this story sort of came to be, which can be expected when it comes to urban legends that have stretched throughout several years and decades such as this. Some stories have him being a lonely and angry goat herder who went mad after finding out that his goats had been killed by some local teens, and other accounts claim that the goat man was some sort of relation to an elusive cryptid similar to how Bigfoot sightings sort of plagued the Northeast and uh, a lot of the country and world, essentially. However, one of the more bizarre stories that involve the Goatman is the alleged secret experimentation that was held in the Bettsville Research Agricultural Center. This specific theory has it that the Goatman's existence is tied to the United States Department of Agriculture, who had a facility that had an experiment of some sort that went horribly wrong. Now what about these locations that I mentioned earlier? So for the last four decades, an unknown house has sat in the forest behind the St. Mark Evangelist School. Rumors have spread throughout uh, pretty much the surrounding area of a supposedly goat and man hybrid that has been spotted in and around this sort of secluded area and structure. Some claim to have found bones within the house, and it is commonly reported that knives, saws, and leftover food have also been spotted in the structure. However, uh, within recent years, construction plans actually did lead to the destruction of the house. However, the legend and the supposed sightings have still been very deep-rooted within the location, especially with the students who attended the school. Further rumors that are tied to the last sort of theory that we discussed, the alleged failed experiment. So these theories and rumors are tied to a doctor who worked for, again, the United States Department of Agricultural Research at their center in Bettsville, Maryland. It is said that he performed an experiment using animal and human DNA when something went horribly wrong and the creation of the Goatman occurred. No one knows what happened to the crazy doctor and his unnatural experiment, but some say that the Goatman is still lurking within the woods waiting for other victims. It has been reported that the doctor allegedly confessed to creating this Goatman by crossing the DNA of a goat with his lab assistant in order to create this weird monstrosity of an experiment. Thus, this formed the elusive cryptid monster that we know today. Finally, there are stories and rumors of the Goatman when it comes to a bridge in Dewey, Maryland, known as the Governor Bridge. However, it has been since nicknamed the Crybaby Bridge, which, if you've listened to past episodes, we've discussed Crybaby Bridge, actually, and we did mention that the moniker of Crybaby has been given to multiple bridges throughout the years. This specific bridge is allegedly where Goatman targets couples who are visiting the location. 
Supposedly, if you park under the bridge after dusk, you may hear the shrill screams of a crying baby or even the sounds of a distant goat. The goat man has also reported to have jumped onto cars and attacked the drivers themselves, sometimes even attacking and even in some cases killing pets who are within the car or within the local area. He is also known to break into houses and search for food and has supposedly captured uh, people and civilians who venture into the woods unknowingly. Emphasis on supposedly there. And one final alleged sort of tie-in rumor, this isn't directed to any real location like the other three. However, this sort of, I guess, conspiracy or reasoning for the goat man it is believed that the murders and sort of like i guess subsequent kidnappings that the goat man allegedly commits are in some way connected to murders that occurred in the 1980s and it's sort of vague when it comes to the details but it should be mentioned that the serial killer samuel little was in fact in the area around that time he has been linked to at least one disappearance and believed murder that occurred in Bettsville in 1972, just a few years before these alleged Goatman murders came about. So it is possible that people may have tied some of these real-life events into the legend itself. And it should also be noted that within recent years, it has been reported to the Northern Prince George County's Police Department that a strange man has been seen running in the woods behind the St. Mark's school that we mentioned earlier. So again, possibly some of these real life or true crime type things could be bleeding into the local legend of the goat man that was already there. So as we keep mentioning with this legend over the years, the goat man has grown and developed into a much broader story than it originated as. However, according to historian and author Mark Opsonik, the who is the foremost expert when it comes to local Maryland legends, believes that there is actually a visible timeline when it comes to the Goatman story. With the origin of the stories themselves stemming from Fletchertown Road in Dewey, Maryland. The first mention of the Goatman in public media comes on October 27, 1971 with the Dewey-based Prince George County News. Within this article written by Karen Hostler, who did extensive research into the University of Maryland's folklore archives, Hostler brings up that the Goatman, along with ghosts and something that is called the Boa Man, has supposedly been haunting the woods around Fletchertown Road. Two weeks after this initial article, Hostler wrote another in the newspaper that was titled, Residents Fear Goatman Lives, Dog Found Decapitated in Old Dewey. This second article details the search of a family known as the Edwards for their missing puppy whose name was Ginger. Days into the search, Ginger's body was discovered near Fletcher Road, and the dog was dead and also headless. This second article connects the death of the dog to the supposed goat man from the article two weeks earlier. It is also stated that a group of teenage girls, one in which includes the Edwards' own 16-year-old daughter April, had reported strange noises and had seen a large and sort of shadowy-like creature during the night that the dog had disappeared. 
It's also reported that the sightings of a, quote, animal-like creature that walks on its hind legs were in an uptick when it comes to the Fletchertown Road area. So sightings are sort of corresponding to this event and also the arrival of the article. So that's sort of an interesting thing that should be noted. On November 30th of the exact same year, 1971, the Goatman received a much larger audience once the Washington Post actually picked up on the story themselves. This news article headlined as, A legendary figure haunts remote Prince George Woods. The Post was able to identify the young men who had actually located Ginger the dog's body, being Ray Hayden, John Hayden, and Willie Yeen. The Prince George County Police was also quoted within this article, stating that, quote, the legend just gets passed on from one generation to another. And within recent days of this article coming out, more and more calls and reports of the Goatman sightings are pouring into the local police department. So Mark Opsonik, the person that we mentioned earlier, again being the leading expert when it comes to local legends and also the Goatman, He, in fact, grew up just a few miles outside of Dewey, and he remembers very clearly when he heard the story of the Goatman for the first time. So Opsonik was in 7th grade, as he recalls, riding along with a friend and his friend's older brother, who he quotes as saying the following, We would be riding when we would act up in the back seat, they being the older brother and their friends, would tell us to shut the hell up or they'd dump us on Fletcher Town Road and the Goatman will get us. And at this point in time is when Mark really grew to love the stories and became enamored with the story of the Goatman. Again, also this plays into the idea that older generations sort of play into the Goatman being a sort of local boogeyman of the region. And again, Mark's interest grew so much that while he was attending the Roosevelt High School, him and his friends would actually go Goatman hunting. And apparently this was actually an activity that was rather common amongst several teenage groups in the area at the time. So the idea of the Goatman was very much ingrained within the local communities. And Opsonik describes that the Goatman parties that were also held on Fletcher Road were also located near the Crybaby Bridge as well. Another notable figure when it comes to the Goatman legend would be Dr. Barry Parson, a professor of folklore in the English department at the University of Maryland, and was in charge of the university's folklore archives, which we mentioned earlier. Even within recent years, he is quoted as saying, If I mention the Goatman on the first day of class, all the locals will know exactly what I'm talking about. Parson believes that the legend of the Goatman was influenced by car culture during the 1960s and the 1970s, in which teenagers were given newfound freedom as they were now able to travel about on their own. He also believes that some of the original stories started by the local use may have some sort of tie to them learning about the existence of satyrs as well as the Greek god Pan during history classes at school, both in which being figures that are half man, half goat. So moving the timeline up a bit more by a few years, we go into the year 1987. We are once more back with Mark, who has started writing for Strange Magazine, and in turn is giving the Goatman an even wider audience. 
Come the year 1994, he writes what he believes is the first thoroughly researched piece when it comes to the legend, titled On the Trail of the Goatman, in which he tracks down the Edwards family, similar to how the Washington Post did, as well as the men who found Ginger the dog. Ovsenik would later expand upon the article with his book, The Real Story Behind the Exorcist, which title is a bit misleading, but it also dives into the discussion of local legends in the surrounding D.C. area. So, John Hayden, who was one of the men who discovered Ginger's body, told Mark that he and the others who found the dog had seen an animal the night before. It is described as standing around six feet tall, walking on two feet, and was extremely hairy. Hayden also notes that it made a high-pitched sound similar to a squeal. Opsonik was also able to speak with April Edwards, again being the Edwards' teenage daughter at the time of the events, as well as Ginger's original owner. During their interview, April was at the very least adamant that something was in the woods at that night. She is quoted as saying, People come here and call it folklore, and the papers make us out to be some ignorant hillbillies who don't know anything better. But what I saw was real, and I know I'm not crazy. Whatever it was, I believe it killed my dog. So to further sort of clarify this, she never fully clarifies what she thinks it is. Um, Again, she is from the area, and she sort of remains adamant that Something was out there, what it was, whether it was an animal or whether it was this elusive goat man, uh, she doesn't know, but something was in the woods that everyone was seeing around that time, and because the dog was out, she believes that the dog was fortunately a uh, victim of this either moving through the area animal or elusive cryptid that people have been seeing for years. So, Mark, on the other hand, despite the many, many years of following this story, does not actually believe that the Goatman exists. He is quoted as saying, I cannot believe in something until I see it with my own eyes. And although he is rather cautious when it comes to supporting this specific stance, he is also rather genuine in believing the people who he has talked to and interviewed with and really helped him with this deep dive Uh, in believing what they actually saw. He's further quoted as saying, I mean, anything is possible in this world. Maybe there is a half-man, half-animal creature out there somewhere. To sort of wrap up this story, uh, the Goatman continues to linger within the realm of urban legends within that region, so much so that you don't really need to be a local in the Maryland region to pretty much hear of the story. If you're into this sort of stuff, you've most certainly heard of the story. But furthermore, uh, having grown up in the Northeast myself, if you're sort of in that pseudo area, uh, this sort of campfire type story is definitely something you hear about. I mean, I heard about it for the first time while I was in high school, and people just sort of know about it. It sort of spread and sort of encompassed more of the uh, Northeast and general area. And uh, I think it's interesting because, and it's sort of why I wanted this to be the first episode that we discuss when it comes to the theme of monsters, is because that this story grew so wide, so fast, and sort of has sort of evolved over the years. 
sort of is the core idea of monsters and folk legends. It's a very, very prime example of what these sort of stories can do if they're given time to grow. And when it comes to explanations for this sort of stuff, obviously there are a lot of local animals that are out in that region. Go or not goats, goodness. I mean, I, there could be wild goats. I don't know. And we mentioned with the Crybaby Bridge episode, uh, foxes, particularly I believe female foxes, are able to provide a rather wide array of sounds. And some of the sightings are of people hearing either shrill screams or crying sounds or distant sort of yelps and sort of things so that could easily be connected to foxes that are in the area and the idea of a bipedal creature that's rather tall we have black bears in the region so could easily be that um they are i don't believe they're known to get on their hind legs as often as grizzlies but they are rather big and i believe they can get on their hind legs so it's easily a possibility that people are misseeing that during the pitch black night again these are being black bears so it's gonna be even harder to see but obviously also these are locals so they probably should be knowledgeable of the local fauna that are in the area so whether or not this is actually in correlation to what the sightings are who knows aside from that there aren't really too many solid explanations aside from there are actually being a crazy person out in the woods for all these years or uh multiple crazy people in the woods or multiple crazy people in the woods, that's very much a possibility, I think, especially in the U.S. But again, there's no real concrete evidence. There hasn't been any real videotapes or photos that could be discernible. Uh, There's no hair samples or footprints, really, that could definitively be tied to this sort of event. But it's something that's interesting, and I thought would be a great stepping stone for this month's theme. And uh, I hope you guys did enjoy Next few weeks are going to continue this theme, one episode being the Patreon winner of last month, as well as another episode topic. I may or may not make two for one week, just to catch up, because I had four originally, but I'm not sure if I want to do that all or just push one on the Patreon for free. I have to decide on that, but that will come out regardless for you guys, and uh, if you do want to check out the patreon and support in any way you could do so at patreon.com forward slash realm of unknown there's a lot of free stuff that's over there if you are not able to financially support the podcast i know it's a really tough time right now there are free samples of some of the audio recordings that we have as well as photographs and videos of some locations that i have personally visited And uh, if you want to stay tuned for new updates and new discussions when it comes to the podcast, be sure to check out the Twitter and Instagram. That is Realm of Unknown for both of them. And if you really do enjoy and wish to support in some way or another, leaving a review would really mean a lot because that really gives some traction to the overall brand itself. And uh, I love hearing your guys' reviews and critiques if you have some. So I look forward to that and I hope to see you guys next week. Remember to stay spooky.